1: I'm joined today by Sarah, calling in from her yurt on Maui, Hawaii. On the same day she decided to leave her partner, Sarah, at 22 years of age, was shocked to discover she was unexpectedly pregnant. This episode is a poetic tale of a young woman turning towards trust, surrendering to the great mystery, and learning how to choose herself completely. Sarah shares about her wild pregnancy and of the lessons she was sent during her psychedelic outdoor birth. She also tells us of her blissful first year of motherhood and of the tearful sweetness of her father coming to take care of her postpartum.
2: The beginning of my journey to motherhood, my child canoe, my sweet little boy canoe, was a total surprise. Mm. Yeah, I was 22 and I got pregnant with him and um, I had actually just separated or I asked his father to separate. And then literally that same day I got a conceived canoe and. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, no, like I'm coming in whether you like it or not. Like, this wow. is my golden window. And we were out in. Um, Kipahulu on Maui, on uh, a community. Was it like breakups? No, it wasn't. It was just kind of like <laughs> it was. It was just kind of spontaneous. Like I, he, he had left to go stay in this farm on the other side of the island, and I went to go um, visit and just like drop in and um, connect with my loved ones over there and then you know we did the thing and I got pregnant and I remember like the next morning just feeling really 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 in love with him and like something shifted vibrationally for us I was like whoa like this is weird like all of a sudden I just my heart just feels like (laughs) blasted open to you and um and it was never closed it was just kind of the intimacy factor I was like I just want to like reclaim my energy right now and But then hey, I got pregnant. And so that was so I have this thing where I say like canoes are glue. (laughs) (laughs) Canoe keeps us together. And yeah, bonds us so deeply. And so I got pregnant and you know, it was really beautiful. Seth really stepped up right away and he left the community, he moved back over here and just got a job landscaping and I felt like total shit. Like mm. in the first few months of my pregnancy, I was so sick. And all I wanted to do was sleep. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Me too. Or <laughs> I was like, all I could do, oh my gosh, like unless I was gonna chug down the caffeine. Like I was my body was really, really needing rest and something that you know is a vulnerable thing for me was that i it took me like th- 3 months to really accept it like i yeah. i was really hard for me to i mean i was tw- i was 22 and i had this whole vision for my life like i'm sure. going to focus on my music and travel the world more and but god had this other plan for me and, and so now that i've i said it was like my path I had to surrender to my path as a mother. And as soon as I did, like so many beautiful things started flowing into my life. And mm. and now more than ever do I, now that I like have this deep, deep love for my son, I couldn't imagine not knowing him.
1: Like, and oh the, <laughs> I think you really, you really bring up this, this idea, this notion, this reality that's not talked about enough that, babies can bring and often do bring abundance and even more vitality and even more gifts into our lives. And I think it's such a patriarchal, you know, kind of outdated narrative that a child is um, the end of our lives. And, And for so many women I know, myself included, I have never felt more creative and more, yeah, just abundant and vitalized than since I've, created life. I mean it makes sense, but it's it's something women need to hear. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, since canoe or since becoming pregnant with canoe, my whole life has shifted drastically in a really beautiful way and I'm so much more grounded now. I was I was traveling for nomadic for years, like probably 7 8 years since I was 15 and I needed this. I needed to like root deeply into the earth and and fully like embody what the mother in order to actually like value myself and my Mm. energy and really value life like I cherish life so much more now it's really incredible Hmm. so yeah my pregnancy I chose to not have any ultrasounds I did some research and found that it was damaging and um, even before the research my intuition told me no and I'm a very intuitive being. Or we all are, but I've put in made actions in my life to really nurture my intuition and trust my intuition. And my intuition really guided me to have that the wild pregnancy and just like really trust my body. And the only um, time I went to a doctor was to pee on a stick. (laughs) That's funny. <laughs> when I was eight days pregnant and, and it was, she's a woman in our community and she's beautiful soul who ended up actually coming after my birth. Like I'll share that bit later, but yeah, so no ultrasounds for us. And um, thankfully my partner was very supportive of, he's such a naturalist and he really supported me and just trusting my intuition and having a free birth, which is huge. Like, Huge to have that support and that trust from mm-hmm. my partner and I'm so thankful for that. So um, at what point was it clear to you
1: that you weren't going to like hire a midwife? And obviously it's it's one thing to choose home birth. It's a whole nother thing to to really step outside of of the I mean you did choose home birth, you birthed at home, but you know what I mean? Like to step outside the the entire paradigm of, of a provider being there to manage you. So tell me a little bit about like when that started to kind of come into your head. Like, did you think about any of this before you were pregnant? I know it was a surprise, so I'm kind of assuming
2: maybe not. Yeah. I, I have thought, I mean, I've always wanted to be a mama and I've always had, I'm just a wild person, like very, you know, I used to, live in the jungle and sleep on the earth and bathe in the rivers and just Mm -hmm. always striving to be as close to the earth and as close to that primordial energy as I could because that was what what is what feeds my soul and I just kind of knew like right honestly as soon as I transitioned from like okay I'm actually having this baby I'm three months now like there's no turning back and so now it's time to think about okay how are we going to do this and I just started connecting with women in my community and luckily here in Hawaii there's a lot of beautiful women and mothers that have chosen to really birth in their power and birth at home or birth freely without without a midwife or birth with a midwife and so I'm just like in that energy here already and it's intuitively, that's what came to me. I knew I was going to have a free birth. I just felt it in my bones. Like, hmm. I had a lot of people telling me, like, get a midwife. Mm-hmm. You can do it. And I was like, well, are you going to give me three grand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have money for me? And then because I think that was like my excuse is like, oh, it costs money. So like, I'm just not going to get a midwife. <laughs> but like, really, it was deeper than that. It was it was like I just know that I want to have a free birth. And had you heard that term prior? Yeah, yeah, I had because I mean, I had tuned into a podcast throughout my pregnancy, and then I also ha- had a couple of friends that I remember tuning in with my sister Riley when I was just pregnant. She was like, "Yeah, whatever's for you, it'll come to you." Like for me, I just got a hit with having an unassisted birth, mm-hmm. and um and that's what ended up panning out for me and i was like cool well i'll just flow with it see
1: um, gosh it makes such a difference when you know a woman that can speak to it
2: it's such a big deal a few weeks before my birth um uh there's a wise woman in our community who i used to live with her and like i really love her and she really loves me and she's an acupuncturist and an herbalist and um she's like she invited me and my partner over and was like, I, I really think it's a good idea that you guys get a midwife. And mm. I, at that point, I had already decided, like, no, like, I don't want to, because she had offered like to be there and support because she's attended probably a dozen births and, um, and has a lot of knowledge in helping with the process. But she actually, this is huge to share this, but she had a very um, traumatic experience uh, where the birth she had recently attended like a week before she called us in the baby actually died and so she was like in that wound and i feel like really kind of sharing out of love and protection but also out of that wound of, totally like, she was there as a as a doula and the fucking baby died like well also the irony is like but that birth did have
1: that did have a midwife and a doula and it still happened because it does happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and it happens more than, than people realize Mm -hmm. and it happens in the hospital way more frequently than people realize. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, uh, there's no, there's no like stone cold way to avoid the possibility of,
2: of that. Yeah. And, um, so, she was for me she was kind of like a backup like okay a woman to have if i felt like i really needed somebody else there to support us um i had our, i had a beautiful friend of mine who's an amazing mother of four just did a doula training and us I, I decided i want you to be my doula and for me having a doula was I mean, at 23, I was like, I just want to have a wise woman there that I really trust and really that can support me. That's been through the process. And um, but Sarah, what you're describing is a
1: midwife, and that's that's what's so interesting mm-hmm. about the the how the terms and the the kind of hierarchical, you know, like co-opted new model of midwifery has has stolen what you just described, right? Which like everything mm-hmm. that you just said of what you would want around having a wise woman who's been there, who's going to love you through this and witness you—that is literally the role of a midwife. And you know, I'm not at all saying that to like to correct you, but rather it's just something we talk about in in our community all the time of these doulas who get called upon to be actually a midwife, but everyone's using. Different language for it because midwifery now means a medical provider that's going to manage you.
2: Yeah, I mean that's yeah. <laughs> you know um, what I mean, though. Isn't it interesting? So. <laughs> it is. It's very interesting. Absolutely. It's. I mean, it's. It's honestly, it's painful. Like, mm-hmm. like why? Yeah. I. That's something that I wanted to tap into as well. as my emotional journey through my labor. Um, so, yeah, I had Mohala my doula, and she was incredibly helpful and mm-hmm. And then the woman um my auntie Morgana, she ended up coming because my doula wanted her last minute, my doula was like felt she felt some fear and wanted extra support, like she didn't feel comfortable just being that only person there, wow, because it was her first birth that she'd attended and and I had a whole process around that because yeah. I I felt like my vision was altered because mm-hmm. of other deal. people's projections or other people's needs. Like, cause my mom, yeah, like my, my mom also showed up, and I I didn't Whoa. really want my mom there, but i mean i I really just wanted a friggin free birth like, uh-huh. I knew that I would be the most comfortable, as far away from people as I possibly could, and I felt it in my labor. I felt self conscious because I was diving into like the friggin the deepest portal of my entire life, and I felt self conscious of that depth like I don't mm. want other people to hear this, I don't want other people to witness this. this is so personal, this is so mm. deep, like I am literally traveling deeper into my ancestral lines than I ever have and ever will until I give birth again and like this is really really vulnerable and that and I I totally understood like why I was envisioning myself alone in nature because that's how I always envisioned myself giving birth Mm. was alone in nature and I mean that was just Mm. that's how we've always done it (laughs) Um, up until however long they told us that that's not the right way to do it. And mm-hmm. um. Wow. so, yeah, I definitely, I learned a lot. Like I learned a lot about, okay. I mean, I had such an incredible birth and I, I am really thankful that Morgana, my auntie came, the acupuncturist, because um, I did end up standing up in the tub and I had been in the tub water all day and it was really dirty and like when as soon as I stood up, my baby just flew out of me and and she was there behind me, like helped my partner catch the baby. And and I I mean I was really upset about that. And I did express that to her. Like I wanted my partner to catch, I wanted Seth to catch mm. the canoe. And I felt but you know, I I am thankful and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. I know that my birth was incredible and beautiful and blessed. And I really had a lot of love and support around me and people care for me. And, and it can be all of it. Like, of course Mm -hmm. you can have all of that. It's, it's a complex
1: experience and it's, it, you can, you can be so grateful to the people there and, and, how hard they tried and like give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, of course they all did their best and it was all done in service and love. And you can still also not like parts of it or, or criticize, you know, parts of it. Like all of that gets to be Mm -hmm. here together and it doesn't take away from your acceptance of the experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause I actually think we really need women to, share what you just shared because so many mm-hmm. birth attendants listen to this podcast and more women, I think, need to get willing to talk about the parts that they felt were, you know, taken from them or, or that weren't centering them and and the more women that can know that, then they're going to have that at their backs when they go into into more births.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for me... I've processed emotionally the whole, my whole labor and days after my birth, I was just weeping and crying. I was so sad. I was so sad. And I was like (laughs) finding, I think it was so much deeper than the actual literal birthing process Mm -hmm. that I was sad about, but it was, it was giving me something to be sad about Mm -hmm. so that I could allow all of my emotions to flow. Like, Whew, I don't think I ever cried that much in my whole life. and yeah. yeah, and so that's why I'm able to say, you know, right now I'm in a space of acceptance and gratitude, but for my birth experience. And there were a couple things about it that if I could go back into time, I would change. But I do see that it it happened divinely and it happened as it was supposed to. And the biggest lesson that I learned was... And you know, my friend, my dear sister Jessie, she was here when I—oh my God, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> when I when when I started in labor, she came and she brought flowers and she helped my partner set up the tub and she was like, "Stay true to your vision, Sarah. Stay true to your vision." And. Aww. Um, and I was like oh wow like that's deep <laughs> like, mm-hmm. right now like to really really truly honor my vision for this birth and in some ways I did but other people's energies also got in the way of my vision and that's why I understand now why I wanted to free birth it's mm-hmm. like because I didn't want other people's freaking energy to get in the way of my vision I just I had a clear vision and and it unfolded a little differently because of other people. Yeah. But I also, I'm also thankful for it all. Totally. So I learned to really, truly, we just have to, we have to trust ourselves. We have to trust our bodies and whatever we can do to cultivate that trust is going to help us in giving birth. And if that's that can be a huge leap, like having a free birth. It's a huge leap, man, a huge leap of faith, especially when there's people outside saying, like, get a midwife, mm-hmm. get a midwife. Everybody, even, you know, I went to prenatal and yoga, and I'm my yoga teacher, my first class. I mean, given she'd never met me, anybody that knew me was like, oh, yeah, like a free birth, you can do it. But <laughs> people that are more like in the old paradigm or not fully in their, fully in trust um or people that honestly just had no idea who i am they would say get a midwife Uh and um so yeah my my prenatal yoga teacher was like at a midwife and gave me a number of this midwife and I texted her and instantly I just felt this fear from her and I texted her back and was like I'm sorry I can't meet up with you because you I'm just not feeling your vibe right now and I really need to protect my energy and protect mm-hmm. What projections i'm I'm letting into my field around birth right now. and that's why I really appreciated yeah, the podcast because,
1: yeah, <laughs> you bring up such a good point too, around or that it makes me think of that. Like, of course, we as women need to be practicing trust of ourselves and choosing ourselves and, you know, having the willingness and the courage to actualize our own visions and all of that. Yes. And at the same time, the women around the pregnant woman also need to be practicing decentering ourselves and trusting the pregnant woman and, you know, not making these, you know, pretty self centered suggestions or you know feeling like everyone needs to save you or tell you what to do or you know I mean even and I'm this isn't like a direct judgment of her but like inviting someone else into someone else's birth without full permission is a pretty big violation of the space and you know and and if you're afraid you can justify that violation but it really to me speaks to the wound that we all carry you know under patriarchy of not knowing how to be with women not knowing how to we, we, you know women don't know what birth is anymore they don't know how to how to you know hold that fire while another woman walks through it and that's we have to relearn that as women you know so that when a woman like you wants to actualize this beautiful vision it doesn't get sabotaged in any way but it gets exalted
2: yeah absolutely and- I mean, it's also really hard to communicate with a, w- a woman in labor what her, what her needs are because my mom was, you know, I didn't, she was in and out of my labor and even my roommates were in and out and I was just like, oh my God, like I just need, some I need space mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I was like, okay, I just need space. And it's funny because as soon as everybody or my roommates left and that's when I gave birth and, but I wanted to speak on that, because I did talk to my mom, like, mom, I, I'm upset because I don't feel like I was fully honored in my process. And you had to and, or like other people's needs and desires went before my original vision. And I mean, it was beautiful. She did validate my emotions and held space for my feelings, which she also expressed that she was she asked me in the labor, like if I wanted Morgana to come or if I wanted her to be there. And I was like, mom, I was in a whole nother dimension. Like I, when you're in labor, I, it's not, I'm like, oh, give me strawberry. Give me strawberry. Or, like <laughs> I don't know what, who I want around. Like, mm-hmm. And I think I, one thing I didn't do, I didn't write down my birth story, my mm-hmm. birth plan. I didn't write down my vision and and I feel like that would have really helped to lock that in and to share that with everybody that was in some way being a part. And so any woman that's going to give birth... And my best friend suggested this to me. Um, it's like, write, write your vision down. Write down all the details, the sage, this watermelon juice. What, What time is the sun on you? Are you outside? Are you nestled in a cocoon inside? Are you in the bathtub? Are you out on the grass? How really write it out and share that with anybody that may or may not be present in your birth mm-hmm. so that they know clearly what, sh- what are you seeing? What are you visualizing? What is, what are you calling in for your birth experience? No. Yeah, it's so, really important. No attachments. I know that so many of us have this beautiful vision and then sometimes things, our spirit has another plan for us and there comes a point where we have to surrender Just like me getting pregnant, I had to surrender whatever my vision was and just fully surrender to becoming a mother. And same can go for our birth. And, but, and, and it is powerful to visualize, write it down, and really believe and feel it and can make a huge difference. So, totally. So, tell me, tell me the story. Oh, and all right, here it is. (laughs) now's the time so I started going in okay I really started labor a couple day or a day before I was on my way to town to actually play a gig and I started feeling uh, and this this little cafe I've been playing there for over the years um, music and I started feeling something that I never felt before I was like ooh am I gonna go into labor on one stage mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got there and it stopped and like I channeled some music and it was so beautiful and I and then I came home and then the next day um, in the evening I remember I was working on a sewing project sitting in my chair and I Walked into the kitchen and I said, "Some, I swear to God, somebody put weed in my food. Like I am high right now." (laughs) And I remember sitting on the same chair I'm sitting on right now, and my something was going on. I felt like my pelvis was soft, and I couldn't, I couldn't sit, and I didn't really know why yet. But and then I went to sleep that night after I finished sewing and. I woke up around 3, I'll say 3.33 because it's my favorite number, and I was pretty sure I was in labor, and I woke up my sweetie, and I said, hey, I am I think it's happening, like our baby's coming, and I was like, wow, really? Okay, and all I wanted was to be in wide-legged child's pose on my bed and just breathe and feel and open and couple hours passed and it was steady and so I was fully convinced at that point that I was in labor and my partner made me French toast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was my fuel for the first ten hours of my labor was French toast, my favorite, all time favorite breakfast. Oh, it was so magical. I just could feel the energy opening up in my roommates everybody starts waking up and I'm like, yay yeah, guys, I'm, it's happening. Today's the day. And it was my roommate's birthday. <laughs> Just so cool. Carly shout out. And, um, us basically expressed that I was stealing the day. Cause I'm good. I'm in labor. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they asked how they could help. And they started, I asked them to kind of clean up my space. And so they did They put things away and swept, which was so sweet. And, I was 10 days before my due date. I calculated my own due date and it was June 17th. I went into labor June 7th. So yeah, my sweetheart and my friend Jesse started setting up the tub outside on the grass and I was visualizing a water birth and I didn't end up giving birth in the water, but the warm tub was so helpful. It was one of those steel round tubs, like a watering trough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was cool because my best friend actually gave birth in that tub and I was there at her birth and it was my first birth that I'd ever attended. And it was the most beautiful experience. And little did I know I was going to be giving birth in that same tub and laboring in that tub. And Oh, there was flowers in the tub and there was I was being fed watermelon and um I will say I did I was aiming for an orgasmic birth <laughs> of course <laughs> didn't end up being orgasmic. It was very I had a lot of deeply painful sensations in my labor. Like my every contraction was just woo! It was a ride and what helped me a lot was moving. Like I ended up walking all over the property and walking in circles around the room and holding onto a tree and, you know, spiraling and really welcoming as much uh, movement as I possibly could and moaning and toning and just doing whatever I could to get out of my head and surrender and surrender deeper and deeper and deeper. And, um, I am thankful for my doula. There was a time she brought her dune dunes and was playing the drums. And that felt really amazing. And my partner was talking to me. And I remember <laughs> looking at him and being like, don't speak, don't speak English to me. Just sing, just sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I did not want to hear any words at all from anybody. I just, I just wanted music and um, and so he was singing some beautiful Hawaiian chants, Oli. And that was beautiful. It helped so much. And it was just so soothing. And what a position for him to be in, to be in the masculine, just having to fully surrender to hold space for this deep process <laughs> with no control. And all I could do was sing <laughs> <for me. laughs> So there came a point in my labor that I felt like, well, before that point, um, I started singing. And this is something, okay, first thing I wanted to speak to was grief. When I was in my labor, I had to grieve. I really tapped into some very, very deep, deep, deep pain. And I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I was just wailing. Mm. Crying, deep, deep cry, and um, I remember my doula coming to me and just rubbing my back and like holding space for me to feel as I'm on the earth, throwing myself on the earth, just like screaming and crying and. I feel that throughout my whole labor, I was in a process of clearing. Like I was clearing my body. I was clearing the space and the land of which I live on. I was clearing my uh, ancestral line, my mother and father line. I was clearing the way for this Mm -hmm. child to come through. And my most favorite part of my labor, which I always hold so sacred to me, is uh, I started singing and I tapped into something that was so deep. It was the deepest thing I've ever felt in my whole life. And it was a chant that was coming through me that was so beyond me. Like I literally, I wasn't even breathing. That's Hmm. how much, how deeply I was channeling. Like I was singing harder, louder, deeper than I'd ever felt. And it was like the soul of the earth was singing through me and I could feel her and it was so beautiful (laughs) like, wow this is beautiful and it was gushing through me like a waterfall like this deep song was gushing and it was the only time in my entire labor that I did not feel any pain and it was so beautiful because it was like 12 contractions or 12 gushes or rushes where I didn't feel any pain and it was when I was singing and oh my gosh it was so beautiful I'll always remember that feeling Mm. and I could feel my voice I could feel this song that it was literally reaching like into the depths of the forest around me and clearing the space so that my child felt safe to come through. (sighs) Yeah. And, oh man. And that's, I mean, that's the place that we have to go for a child to come through us. And it's so beyond my comprehension. It was so Mm -hmm. beyond my comprehension of, Mm -hmm. of what is and like, so, oh, just so deep, like the deepest thing I ever felt. Did you have any
1: reference point prior to birth with psychedelics?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely journeyed very deeply with medicine. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I just in general, like I've, I'm just a really deep kind of person and I had like tapped into that space very gently while channeling music before, but it was always like just touching and Uh not in a way that I felt in labor that was like opening the faucet and it just Hmm. was rushing and Mm. so good I got this download I did I got this download from spirit you are gonna be channeling music like this 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 song for people to heal people and help them connect with their soul but eventually somewhere in my path well I don't know I don't want to say that because I think as a woman who's called to the medicine path, like it's such a journey of unraveling and surrendering and being open because it's a lot to reclaim what has been lost. It's a lot Mm -hmm. to step into our power because for so many generations, it's been so unsafe for us. And I did have an experience after birth where I I opened up that channel in a public setting again. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what spirit really wants me to do and for people. it's scary because it seems like it's too much. Like this is too much, <laughs> but like, mm. really, no. That's what that's what our soul, our soul wants that feeling of, of like, deep, deep, deep belonging and deep connection. And so, I do want to help people connect with that space of connection. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, so <sighs> powerful stuff. And okay, so where were we? You're um, having the most
1: epically beautiful experience ever with this beautiful song. And then what happened?
2: And then it fades out and I lost, I lost touch with it. It was like a stream and I was in the river and then, um, I snapped out of it and, um, and then I was feeling tired. And I just remember allowing the warm water to hold me and, I needed that rest like in between every rush. I needed to just rest as deeply as I possibly could. And my partner after was like, I thought you were going to drown or something because <laughs> you were just so still in those moments. <laughs> like, <laughs> so he was keeping a really close eye on me. <laughs> um, God. There, there there was a time. Oh, I will speak to this. Both my doula and then my, I guess, second doula, my auntie Morgana, they, at one point, they both said, like, you're probably going to be here deep into the night. And that really pissed me off because <sighs> that took me out of the present. That took me right. out of not necessary. just being present. It was like looking into the future. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to have to be in this I mean, I'm just a, in general, a kind of, I'm used to being in a deep space or in a deep feeling. And so I think because they were witnessing me like being cognitive and able to talk, they thought I wasn't as deep in the journey, but I'm like, yo, I've had like, yeah, psychedelics, hello, medicine, hello. Like I, I'm just a deep person uh-huh. and it's okay. i just have experience with being in those, those states and, and also like being present and, Um, And so they, I guess, for some reason were assuming that Mm -hmm. I wasn't as deep in the journey as I actually was. And also neither of them being midwives, like being able to I mean, Morgana came like at the very end, like right when I was about to give birth. And then a little bit in, in my labor, she came to visit and then left and then was called upon again.
1: I mean, tons of midwives try to predict it too and are often wrong. So what's even the point? I think the point you're making is so important, though. Like stop participating in this notion of time and space when a woman's in labor yeah. because it's so irrelevant. Straight up.
2: Yeah. Straight up, yeah. Any doula or midwife out there, don't friggin' tell the woman when she's gonna give birth because you don't yeah, know. You might think crazy. you know, but you don't friggin' know, and she doesn't know, and that's okay. Like we don't need to know. It's the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and oh my goodness. So that was that's some critical feedback I have. <laughs> but it did get to a point where, um, yeah, because I remember my doula was like, "Yeah, you're gonna want to be in a trance." I'm like, um, I'm pretty sure I'm in a trance, but I don't know. And and so anything that gets in the mind, it's like, uh-huh. is so much better. And I will say, like, she was amazing. Out, she was playing the drum and just like really, mm. I could feel her prayer and just feel her groundedness, and it was so nurturing for me just to look into her eyes and say, like, "Am I doing okay?" And her being like, "Yes, you're doing great. Like, you're doing what you need to do." And just having like that focal point of somebody a wise woman's eyes and say, her reflecting like yeah you're on track and you know? hmm. but something that i did learn was when you're at that point of oh my gosh i don't think i can do this that's usually that you're breaking through that window of active labor and or whatever it's called when the baby's like crowning and so another favorite into transition yeah in transition yeah and So it got to that point and I actually reached inside of my yoni and I felt my baby's head. (laughs) (laughs) And that was so empowering to just reach in and feel my baby's head inside Mm. of my vagina and be able to no like oh my god like this is happening like i'm so close to giving <sighs> birth and and just feeling like so empowered and ready because i was at that point of i i don't know like am <laughs> really fucking right, tired totally. it's been like 13 13 14 hours <laughs> and um as soon as i reached in and felt um something switched because i i knew and the tub was pretty dirty because I had just been in in and out all day and so they started filling up the bathtub in the bathroom but I wasn't having it I was like nope this is happening and I was squatting in the tub and me I had my hand like his he was crowning and I had my hand over over his head crowning and um and my partner too I was like come like let's Let's do this together. And at that point, I was so high and blasted into. I mean, I was blasted open. I was giving birth at that point. Mm-hmm. And somewhere, somehow, I stood up. And after pushing a few times, and you know, one thing, the only thing I wish that was shared with me in that space that wasn't was like, take your time. Like slow down, take mm-hmm. your time, don't rush this. Um, those words would have been very, very helpful because mm-hmm. as soon as I got to that point, I was so ready to just push this baby out. I was like, You're coming out of me, baby! <laughs> <laughs> and I was pushing really hard. And I actually, when I did, when I did give birth, when it, when baby came, I actually did tear pretty bad. And I think had I slowed down more and like, had that guidance to just yeah. like really slow it down, slow it down. Then maybe it wouldn't have tore as bad. Uh, who knows? Though. Yeah. I ended up, baby was crowning a few solid pushes. And I remember feeling the sack, like the sack hadn't broken yet. Mm. And so baby was still in the sack. and. I had never heard anything about the sack and I was like, is this okay? I remember asking, uh, it's like, is this, I can feel the sack. Is that okay? And Morgana was like, Oh, absolutely. Like the baby can be born in the sack. (laughs) I was like, Oh, cool. And, um, and then at some point I stood up and, and then boom, it happened. Mm -hmm. And my partner was in front of me and then, um, Morgana was behind me and baby just started flying out baby's head came out and c- my partner was in front of me like with me present and I was like our baby <laughs> Morgana was behind and had her hand there and with the head and then Seth like quickly whipped around and then they they both caught him and mm. the water broke right when he came out of me and So he came out just totally clean. And yeah, and I think because of that pressure of the the amniotic sac, Mm -hmm. as soon as he came out, it was literally like a couple seconds, boom, he's out. That's awesome. There was no, yeah, there was no pushing. So you have this on video? I have this on video. Oh my God, I gotta (laughs) see it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And So were you you were outside
1: in that tub, right?
2: Yeah, I was standing up in the tub outside. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm remembering your photos.
2: Yeah, and and I hear that a lot with women. The adrenaline just you stand up and boom. And that's such a good position because gravity is on your side. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as long as somebody's there or I mean, I was holding on to the tub, I think. So I wasn't or onto my knees like I, w- I wasn't I wasn't ready to catch my baby. I mean, maybe if there weren't people around supporting, and I would yeah. have been. Yeah, I would have for totally. sure. Um, and like babies can fall too. Yeah, into the water, and I'm sure it would have been fine, but <laughs> <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> not ideal. Yeah. Or my partner, I'm sure, would have, like, yeah. But if I was alone, guaranteed, I was present enough. I could exactly. have, not that there is no could or would or should, but. Right. Yeah. I really do trust the birth process. And yeah, if there is a next time. I definitely want to catch my own baby for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was all perfect and awesome. And like literally it was only a matter of seconds. They passed the babe. through. Well, she passed the babe through my legs to Seth. And then Seth gave couldn't to me. So there was only a couple seconds where babe wasn't like in my arms. And that was totally okay. And... Um, I stepped out of the tub and sat down, just held my babe in in total awe. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, my beautiful child in my arms, and um, I knew about the placenta and birthing the placenta, and I knew that I didn't have to happen immediately; that I mm-hmm. had like a few minutes.
1: Well, you have you have more than a few
2: minutes. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Yeah, that I didn't long- even need to rush it. I didn't need to rush it. Honestly, I kind of I could have waited a little while longer, but I felt like while I was in that rush, it would have been easier to just birth it so that I didn't feel the pain Mm -hmm. of like because I did rip open pretty bad, and so I just (laughs) out came the placenta. It was so beautiful seeing the placenta. Oh my gosh! And
1: well, and that lets you know that it was ready to come. Like if it's not coming, if if it's not ready, like on your own accord. Obviously, people can get it out, and that's super violent, but you know, if you were able to get it out like it was detached and ready, which is awesome.
2: Yeah, I just squatted and it came right out just like a tiny little push. <laughs> and oh, so, I mean, when that happens, oh, my gosh, the whole it's a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And how, oh, yeah, just feeling into that energy of. Holding our babe for the first time, and oh, the photos are so beautiful. They're look so beautiful. Cause... Your face
1: is just <laughs> so radiant. I can't even see anything else in that photo but your smile.
2: It's so sweet. Oh, I was so happy and so proud of myself to yeah. to do that. Wow, like I just, I just gave birth. Like that's the hardest thing I ever did in my mm-hmm. whole life, and I just did it. I made it to the other side. Like mm-hmm. I just walked that threshold and in my power and in my strength and in my trust in spirit and in my body and in this earth and my ancestors and so how old is your kiddo now he is um 13 going on
1: 14 months so how has it been what was the first year of of motherhood like for you
2: well um Wow. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so different. My life is so different now in the most beautiful way. I mean, every morning I wake up and I just, I'm in love with my child. Um, it's like Christmas. Somebody wrote, I read a post the other day. And my friend was like, every morning it's like Christmas. Like waking up to you. And I really do feel that like every morning waking up to his smiles. It's gold. it's, hmm. it, it's the most beautiful thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, to speak directly, I do want to speak to that postpartum window. I, I had a meal train, um, immediately. So I had a lot of food coming from the community and, um, my my partner took a week off of work, which was not enough, but I mean, we had to pay our bills so he went back to work after a week and but thankfully my father came from Canada and that was so beautiful like oh my god I hadn't seen him in a long time over a, maybe a year or two and uh, I mean re- I am really close with my father we have a really beautiful beautiful connection and um for him to like hold my baby I um, <laughs> Oh my God, it was so powerful for me and Aww. for him to like step into this nurturing role of cooking me food and hmm. c- cleaning up and like changing canoe's diapers and like here I am like naked and Mm -hmm. (laughs) bleeding and my dad is like getting my sits bath ready oh my god that's so sweet (laughs) I know just so precious and so like raw and vulnerable and for him to just be like fully accepting and celebrating and open like so open and that's really, really, really beautiful. And, yeah. you know, and he bought us groceries and diapers. And so I was really blessed. And my, my mom, too, is really, really supportive. But she actually got the flu right when canoe was born. And it lasted for like two weeks. Oh, no. And so she wasn't really around for those first couple of weeks. But Dang. luckily, I had a lot of support and it was all good. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I'll always remember that sacred window, this 40 days. I did my best to really honor that time and take it slow. And because I tore really bad while I had a second-degree tear, the doctor that I went to, I got a pregnancy test from just down the road. She's a midwife and has been a midwife for many, many years. And she is such a beautiful, beautiful so she's an elderly woman, so gentle and she actually ended up coming after the birth and um, giving me stitches for my tear. And hmm. so why did you choose to do that? How what was that? To do stitches?
1: It? Yeah, like that thought process. Like how did you even know that you tore that bad
2: and tell me a little bit about that? Because Morgana, she took a photo and, like, showed me. And she's like, yeah, like you tore really bad. And if you want, we can get Shannon Ray to come up and just check it out and see what she thinks. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Gotcha. And so she came and she told me, she's like, yeah, I mean, in, in, third, in a country where you didn't have access to this support, um, I'm sure you'd be fine, but it is available and I'm happy to do it for you. I mean, it was, like nine o'clock at night and she came and and yeah I just was like felt called to get the stitches uh, to help in whatever way and so I did and I mean my yoni is totally different now like inside and out mm-hmm. like where the opening and there is some scar tissue actually where the stitches are and it doesn't bother me except for like when I, f- I can feel the difference, but yeah. it is like really a process of like, just fully accepting and um, yeah um accepting like my new yoni. Mm-hmm, <laughs> for sure. And it might, you know, if you
1: do have another child and, and if you, it, it might be sometimes it's not always the case, but sometimes you'll re-tear where the stitches were. And then if you heal without sutures, um, you can kind of break through that scar tissue and reheal it. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens again. Yeah.
2: Might not. So, yeah, I got the stitches and and that was all good. Part of me is like, oh, I probably could have just gone without stitches. But, you know, I did ask her again. She's like, no, like, I think it was a really good thing that you did. And, Cause it was a pretty, pretty. It was a second degree, whatever that means. Like it was almost all the way to my bum hole. Like it was gnar, and it was Mm -hmm. hard. Those first, those first, I I couldn't really walk. Like I would walk to do my sitz bath on the toilet, and but other than that, I really just needed to be on my back. And so I think maybe it was a blessing in disguise because it really forced me to rest. And stay in bed, yeah, and allow people to serve me f- and help me and because I am a go getter, and I like to do and go, and
1: yeah, I mean it's a good point, it's something i I think about a lot that tearing physiological tearing is actually highly adaptive, and there's a real it's very purposeful, you know, like we have such a mm. a culture that's like says like you know our yonis have to be a certain way and and that tearing is really scary and bad and, and that it's, that it's actually, you know, it's framed as like, it's an expression of an injury. But, but I, I really would, I challenge that narrative because what we see in industrial birth is injury because there's directed pushing, everyone's numb, they can't feel their body. You know they're on their backs. They're not pushing with any instincts. You know it's so so violent, and so those are not spontaneous tears. And obviously most women are cut with with episiotomy scissors, which is so violent. Also, oh but,
2: god, yeah,
1: yeah, I tore pretty bad too. Yeah, it's interesting. But I remember going through the same thing of just like, okay, this is my new vagina. Like it's different and that's okay. And, and any part of me that's kind of like, feels scared about that is, is really the parts of me that are, that have been lied to <laughs> about my body and about how to feel about my body. It was definitely, definitely heady there for a couple of days.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I still, it's been 13 months and I am in a process of really like reclaiming my sexuality and reconnecting with my vagina in a whole new way and uh, it takes I think it requires time to just really get to know ourselves as as a as mother and to celebrate, like wow, like my I gave birth with mm-hmm. this magical part of me and it's different now because of it and like finding a way to celebrate it and just cherish it. And like there's it's a beautiful thing because this mm-hmm. it's signifying like I gave birth. Exactly. And, and we're we're a allowed miracle.
1: <laughs> right. And we're allowed to change. Mm-hmm yeah absolutely right. Like our yonis are allowed to change, our stomachs are allowed to change, like our skin is allowed to change that's that's like such a um taboo concept in our culture, you know that that yeah that we have these markers of motherhood, and really, it's the journey right to to love those markers and celebrate them and see them as just victory in our bodies, really absolutely, well, thank you so much
2: yeah one I just wanted to touch on one more thing about the the placenta because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with the placenta and if I wanted to eat the placenta or encapsulate it or have a lotus birth. and Kanu was born with a really, really short cord. It's only like a foot and a half long. and so it was we wanted to do a lotus birth, but it was kind of really, really just impractical to to Uh in the bed like I was always scared I was gonna tug on his belly button yeah Yeah. so we ended up doing a partial lotus birth where the next I think it was like 17 or 16 hours we left them attached and then me and my partner had a ceremony where we um just burned the the cord once it was dried out and like we each held one side and then burnt it and and then I, I was like I'm gonna eat some of that <laughs> and, I, and my partner he fried it up with butter and garlic and Whoa. brought it to me on a plate yeah <laughs> and oh my gosh it was so we saved half of it in the freezer and then the other half I actually ate it up and I fed some to my kitty, (laughs) like a little piece. (laughs) And um, when it was raw, at first I did eat a chunk when it was raw, like right away. And then um, a little later he cooked it up and then um, it was beautiful. We had a ceremony on the bed and he ate some, I ate some, and my mom ate some, (laughs) which was really potent. And, and then, Yeah, and then we saved it in the fridge and it took about like 10 months or 11 months down the road. We, uh, or maybe it was a year down the road, we, yeah, it was just like a month or two ago, we planted the placenta under Uh a tree, planted a tree with it. What was left of it? Yeah, exactly. What your family hadn't eaten. (laughs) Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's so sweet. No, it's so good. Ceremony and ritual and honoring and it's just these are these are largely lost arts, you know, lost rituals of our of our times. Well, thank you so much. Such a beautiful story.
2: Yeah. I'm so thankful to have this technology to be able to share because it helped me to listen to this podcast. And I'm really thankful and sending so much love to everyone that gets to listen to this awesome thanks girlfriend yes absolutely and thank you emily so awesome that you're doing this such a beautiful service oh my goodness
1: And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching. Learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on FreeBirthSociety.com. Our online courses are on FreeBirthSocietyCourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together, we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red.
0: I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal, Eons upon light beams of survival Withstanding the eradication of our power by design I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me My sisters will no longer birth in captivity The picket line redefined from burning our wild women To paralysing us and drugging our babes Strapped down in a clinical white bed drying up the milk from our breasts Dragons or your poison, we reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention, death, ascension. I will fly and bring.